Hello and welcome to another episode of Speaking Broadly. I'm your host today, Tom Screech, and today we're discussing how to handle objections. Joining me today is Hilary Broadly, Victoria Plucknett and David Hawkins. How are you all? Fine, thank you. Very good, thank you. Good, good. Well, now, unfortunately, in our line of work, having to deal with objections is a daily occurrence, whether over the phone or, you know, over email. And I'm sure all of us here have had to deal with almost every objection that we could possibly get. And today we want to just discuss how we get over our objections and our experiences with objections. So, Vicky, to, to open the conversation up, what exactly is an objection when talking to a prospect? So, um, objections are, um, a day, like you say, a daily occurrence. I completely agree. Um, and most of the time when you enter a call um, or even an email, you're going to get an objection when you're trying to um, yeah. put your um, thoughts across. Um, an objection um, is a someone who doesn't agree with what you're thinking. Um, yeah. So whether that be um, they think that they what they have already in place um, works well, um, yeah. or if they just don't have time to talk to you and they tell you to call back another time. Yeah, yeah. Do you get those objections as well, David? Is that sort of what would you would you agree with Vicky there? I, I, th- I think the key thing with any objection is really you need to place yourself in the prospect shoes. Yeah. So imagine their challenges, uh, what's going on in the market, and then that way you're in a position to potentially pick holes in your own pitch. Yeah. Um, yeah. identify those before you get on the phone yeah. so I always try and put myself in their shoes what would I be sceptical about yeah. um, where would there be potential gaps in my pitch yeah. how do I compare to my competitors or, or their incumbent yeah. um, and I think preparation is key um, thinking about those before you conduct any telesales or marketing is, is vital mm. so prepare for the call so Hilary, would you agree with that? Preparation is, is the key to, to defeat objections? Absolutely. It's always good to, if you can anticipate them. And I think the other thing that we said, it is a it is um, part of our life. If you're in sales, then you've got to expect to face yeah. objections. And I think the other thing I would say, absolutely, is that you know you should welcome them and, and they are inevitable. In fact, if somebody isn't coming up with objections, for want of hmm. a better word, in a sales call, then you're probably not doing something right. Yeah. Um, you know, what we are doing as salespeople is we're asking our our prospects to contemplate change we're asking them to think about moving from what they've got and where they're at to where we want them to be and you know we want them to con- contemplate buying our product or service so yeah. most of us don't like change and we're going to resist that in some way or other which is absolutely understandable and equally you know until the salesperson comes along you probably feel you're perfectly well covered with, with whatever you've got in place so mm. we're suggesting change and that's going to cause objections so the the, the main cause of, a, of, of objections is change then? Well, it's resistance to change or it's, or it's um, a, a lack of information maybe yeah. um, or it's that the prospect doesn't identify at the moment that they have a need. Yeah. So our job obviously is to uncover the need um, and also to give the prospect time to catch up with our call. Yeah. You know, when we make a sales call, be it, well, usually a telesales call, which is the first way of introducing ourselves to a prospect, you know, we have sat down and if we're doing our job properly, we will have thought about that prospect. We will have tried to envisage, as David says quite rightly, we'll have tried to envisage, you know, what um, what they may have at the moment, what their needs may be, what their challenges may be. Um, and we've done our preparation. But when we call them, they didn't know we were going to call. They mm. weren't expecting our call. They're in the middle of doing something else. And we need to give them time to catch up with the conversation and to get into the same space that we're in. Um, so 
objections initially are are natural. You know, your knee-jerk response will be, I've already got one, thank you very much, or I don't need anything, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, And we we have to be prepared for that. So when you get an objection like, I've already got one, what's your go-to? How how do you overcome that straight away? So often, um, well, when we start calling, we have a um, sales approach that we use and we sit down with the team and our client to work out what the main objections are going to be on the call um, and think of how we would overcome them. Um, We would then sit down with the client and make sure that those were the kind of objections that they would overcome in the future. Um, And we would then um, go from there, really, and always changing so you're always going to get a different objection someone may word it differently someone may have a different objection than normal um so it's just working out the best way and like david said preparing for it again you mentioned there a sales approach and having everything prepared and um having all the objections sorted before you get on the phone do you really need to go into that much detail on a cold call is it is it better to to tell the the, the potential prospect everything or would you say it's better to keep some in reserve so you don't get as many objections that's a good um, good question. I think you know lots of our clients when they first engage us think, well, you, you surely won't need to get into objection handling territory. Yeah. You know, in, in telesales, your job is just to make a call, uncover an opportunity, and get us a meeting. Usually, yeah. Um, but actually, as we can all testify, and having been doing this now for the last twenty-one years, you know. Our task is to create and uncover a need, is to overcome maybe people's initial um, resistance or, yeah. or questioning. And to do that, we need to be in full you know, um, possession of the facts. We need to really clearly understand our client's product or service. And we also need to anticipate and understand its weaknesses as well as its strengths so that we can deal with objections when they come at us. Yeah. And, and that's not, you know, as you say, Tom, you would think... You shouldn't go into that much detail just to get in a sales appointment. But actually, this is a critical part of the sales mm. process. We're trying to open the door to a new prospect. We're trying to get in front of a prospect. And we're trying to get a senior person, usually, a senior decision maker, to agree to spend an hour or two with our client. Yeah. Um, and time is money. So, you know, to get a prospect to agree, they need to be sure in their mind that what we have to say and sell is going to be worthwhile for them mm. and and that, and that just you know inevitably means that we have to overcome questions and obstacles you know things that they're not sure about you know why should i contemplate working with you or your client you know why does this product or service really suit me yeah um so you're unlikely to get someone's time and to get them to commit to that without overcoming a few objections and obstacles along the way yeah would you agree david yeah i I completely agree i think the detail is key um i think what you need to remember um within business development and and within telesales um particularly in some of the the clients we work for it's highly competitive marketplace so unless you have the detail or the knowledge of understanding of that market, of the competition, of trends, of what's going on in that sector, then you're not going to stand out against your competitors. Mm. So that research and development, um, which we do in collaboration with our clients in the initial stages, um, is vital for a successful campaign. Okay, okay. So what are sort of the main objections you get? I know we've covered some, but if you had to pick the top three objections you'd get over the phone, what, what, would, what would they be? Well, these two um, uh, face <laughs> objections every day, um, being on the front line in, in, in sales. So I don't know if you've got an example, Vicky, to start with. Absolutely. So, I mean, um, the first objection that most people are going to get on the phone um, when you make contact, like Hilary said earlier, 
they don't expect your call. They might be busy. They might have their head in something else. It's not the front forefront of their mind. Yeah. So um, quite often the first objection will be, I'm busy. I don't have time to speak to you right now. Okay. Um, and making sure that you have, you're ready for that objection to start with is key because you won't have any conversations because quite often when you pick up the phone, that is your mm. objection. So... <clears throat> Um, so understanding, so you know you're going to be facing that. So, for for example, ask them when they're free to call back. Yeah. Um, making sure they are the right person because you don't want to kind of make the contact and find out that they've welcomed you to call back in a week's time and then it turns out that actually it was their colleague you're supposed to be speaking with. Yeah. Um, so still to confirm that they're free and it's the right time. Yeah. Um, and also putting a date in the diary. So if they suggest you to call back in a week's time agree that you'll send them a calendar invite and it'll be in their diary um and then they'll be prepared to talk to you and you can explain in the diary invite the reason why you're um, making contact with them in the first place okay david have you got any examples um i mean one thing we're starting to move more to in the business now is is wider digital marketing as well and and one thing you can do is start to preempt the main objections within a particular industry or the challenges in that sector um, so now we look at uh, getting tailored messages out, um, even before an initial cold call in some circumstances, to warm the prospect up, build knowledge um, of your particular product or service um, before you call, and that can make the call a bit warmer. Um, yeah. And it also gives them some insight um, into your business before you approach them, which really helps um, to progress um, the business development work at a more rapid pace. Okay. Okay. When When you hit objections then, how... How do you stand out from the competition? So when other people are speaking to them from other companies and they, they're looking for the same thing, so they're trying to find out contact dates, contract dates um, and you know review timescales and, and when they're available, what do you do in your calls to make yourself different, to make yourself stand out? So I would say what, what, what are <clears throat> key, without giving away all of us. Yes. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I do a lot of sales coaching, for obviously for our teams, but also for many of our client sales teams. Um, and, you know, it's all about um, having um, uh, the end in mind, if you like, when you start to prepare for a call. So, you know, we use, as any, as any good salesperson will do, we absolutely don't use scripts, but we do prepare very thoroughly. So yeah. we have a structure that we follow which is a logical structure that's been taught since day one in terms of sales so um, and it's keeping that simple but initially people are objecting because they don't know what their needs are they don't maybe um, know or they haven't contemplated what your product or service can do for them but also because they don't know they probably don't know you from adam so you know most of the clients we represent unless they are real household names yeah the fact is that in your market sector there's lots of competition um and you may not be as well known as you think you are so when we're calling on behalf of our clients you know quite often even though they're fairly well established the people we're calling on their behalf haven't heard of them before hmm. so you are starting as David says it is a cold call um, in the sense that you're speaking to someone who's never heard of you before and maybe not that familiar with your client's proposition um, so the first thing you have to do is build respect build trust build credibility 
And that's if you do that, then you overcome those objections. Can I trust you? Are you credible? Are you believable? Mm. Um, so to do that, you need to start the call eff- effectively. And Vicky's alluded to the fact that how you start the call is really, really important. Yeah. So we use something we call a hot button statement. But it's, it's about thinking, how do I establish my credentials? How do I establish rapport and trust as quickly as possible at the beginning of the call? Yeah. How do I come across professionally um, and yet assertive? Yeah. Um, how do I come across with enough facts to whet someone's appetite, but not so much to really turn them off? So it's finding that balance. And if you get that balance right at the beginning of the call, then you offset a lot of those initial objections. And as Vicky says, you know, people that say, I don't have the time, you know, I'm busy... It's probably because you haven't introduced yourself maybe well enough or strongly enough to um, allay those fears. You know, you need to be really interesting and you need to have something in it. There needs to be something in it for them, Mm. for them to give you even 30 seconds or a minute of their time Mm. when they had no idea you were about to call. Okay. So even from your first few words that you speak in a call, it's critical you get that tone right Mm. as well as what you say. Okay. I think as well it's all important to reflect on the conversation you had so rather than finishing the conversation and then moving on to the next prospect it's having to think about how the call went what objections you faced and how you overcame them so I think sometimes um, objections are actually your own making so if you ask a question and you know they're going to object to it possibly ask the question in a different way and it may kind of change their answer that they give you so that's a really good point so an example of that would be sort of if you were phoning up and one of the first things you said were do you have time to talk now exactly you're immediately giving them the chance to object yes Um, or if you're um, say one of our clients um, if we were talking and asking them um, are you reviewing your catering now yeah they're going to say no and that kind of ends the conversation whereas if you're explaining that you're just keen to understand the arrangements and with a view in the future to introduce um, in person they know what the calls regard and they know how to um, how to kind of answer it a bit better so you've got immediate objections like that so you've got I'm busy call me later Mm -hmm. or you know I don't want to talk right now or we're not reviewing just yet what about when you face objections like we've just signed a three-year contract or we're in-house and have been in-house for as long as we can remember and we don't want to move I, I think in that case obviously there isn't an immediate opportunity there but you've been able to gather market insight and yeah. also it's valuable for your future sales pipeline but if you're in that moment and you're speaking to someone you actually have an opportunity um, to gather important information for when you next potentially potentially engage with that prospect in every call, I, re- I remember reading a book once, a sales um, book, and, and it basically said, you know, um, this book will show you how to make sure that no call you ever make again is a waste is a waste of time. And, and I thought, well, how, how are they going to do that? Because we know that lots of calls we make, you know, end up in, with no result because mm. you can't speak to get through to the decision maker or you can't get anywhere. But actually, the point they made in the book, which is absolutely right, and um, over many, many years since I read it, we've adhered to it, is that, you know, in every call, as David says, you, there may not be an immediate opportunity. So the contract may have just been signed. Um, they may have just reviewed their suppliers and not looking to review again for a, a year or so. But you can use the call to find out other information, as David says, you know, um, what next time you review 
review what will you be looking for? How yeah. do you select your current suppliers? Um, how do we, you know, get onto your preferred supplier list? Um, who else is involved typically in making a decision like this? So even if you're not talking to the ultimate decision maker, um, you may be able to pick up lots of other useful bits of information. And this is critical because, you know, we now know in, in the 21st century and in the environment we're working in at the moment that there are multiple people involved in any significant business-to-business purchase. There are yeah. four or five. I think it's 5.4 is the latest figure from CEB Research, um, which says that, you know, you have, to cup, you have to be across all of those influencers and decision-makers in order to make a sale. And typically, they will take anything, you know, our clients tell us between six months and a year their prospects will take to make a decision. The buying process is quite a long and complex one, quite typically in an, with an expensive product or service. Mm. So if you think about that, then you're going to have lots of opportunities during that time to influence that outcome. So it's not all just about you know, getting in right now. It's about getting in with the prospect at the right time and with the right people at the right time. Yeah. So always think, you know, that um, as one door closes, another one yeah. opens. Um, and as Vicky says, if there's an opportunity, you know, if, if a client, if a contract's just been signed, then there's no opportunity there immediately, but maybe reframe the question. You know, I'm not calling you to find out when your contract's due for renewal. I'm calling you to initiate a, a, a relationship yeah. to start to understand what might be important to you and see how we can work together in the future. Yeah. So if you reframe the question you remove the objection. Would you guys agree that reframing is, is a great way to get rid of the objection? Yeah, I think you're going to possibly still hit the objection, but in a different way, and you may be able to handle it a lot differently. It may be a lot more of a smoother conversation. So one objection you can come up against sometimes longer in the sales cycle is that you've already influenced the coach or the user buyer. You've made progress with that company, but when they go to secure funding um, for the particular project or service that you're providing, there could be a barrier from financial directors yeah. or, or the finance department. Um, and this is really uh, fundamental in what we now do. Um, we target multiple buyers within the company and preempt this before it happens. Um, so we can target tailored information about products or services um, around the financial benefits or the operational benefits and uh, push these out to the wider buyers in the organisations. Um, and this should help overcome and also build knowledge and awareness of your product to the wider buyers to prevent any barriers um, coming up further down the line. I think, yeah, also, of course, once you get into an objection, it's really important to make sure that you deal with it appropriately. Yeah. Because I think it's, as I said earlier, you know, you're going to get objections. Mm. So the first thing is, I think, for any salesperson, they shouldn't come as a surprise. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I've worked with salespeople before who are like, crikey, you know, they um, they basically said they didn't, they didn't, you know, didn't want to go ahead or they weren't interested, so... Mm. You know, I, I hung hung up. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, if 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 as a salesperson you sort of give up at that first hurdle every time, then um, we'd all be very idle and we wouldn't be doing our job. So our job, obviously, in the nicest possible way, is to you know deal with objections as they come. But there's two ways. One, I think, is obviously there are some genuine objections. So so one thing is, firstly, is always to clarify the objection. You know, so 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 if somebody expresses a concern or I, thank you very much, but I already have a product or service like mm. that, or we are already in a contract and we don't need your service. And obviously you need to acknowledge that, make sure they know that you've heard that. But secondly, you need to clarify that and understand it more fully. 
um, because I think you know that's really important to, in terms of being able to respond to it accurately. Yeah. And then obviously you can deal with it once you've established. As we all know, if somebody says you're too expensive, yeah, then you know what are you comparing that to? And you know, are they comparing like for like? Mm. Um, you need to understand that objection in far more detail before you can start addressing it yeah so once you're in the objection um then it's really important as well that you follow the right sort of techniques in order to overcome it so so with being in the objection then vicky how do you make sure you're not coming across as just trying to argue with them so when they say we don't want anyone you know we're not interested we're in-house how do you, you you make sure you're being polite but still trying to sell um, so I think um, firstly agree with um, what Hillary said. So first of all, acknowledge what yeah. their objection is, so you completely understand that that's the case, yeah. um, and then just questioning around that. So um, so you can address it and just say that's fine. A, a lot, I speak to a lot of people that are in house what are your reasons for it because they may have had a bad experience of outsourcing for example their catering Um, and so it's getting to the bottom and understanding the reason for that Um, and then you can address it and um, you're basically trying to put them at ease so that if they've had a bad experience it's trying to do anything you can to um, show that it's not as bad as sometimes they may think it is Um, and it's making sure the client would be happy for for example a site visit or to speak to another um, company that they do the catering for Um, you can't win everyone over but it's again relationship building you sound a lot more credible um, if you're sympathising with them and trying to um, kind of consult them a little bit as well yeah, uh, you mean from our point of view, yeah. is this thing not telling? Yeah. Absolutely. And sometimes you can overcome an objection by probing um, their, their their objection rather than t- telling them. So yeah. I know it's always tempting to leap in when someone says, well, you know, I'm really happy with my current supplier um, and they do X, Y and Z and that's great and I'm not reviewing for two years. You may be tempted if if you're sort of new to sales or, you know, that to, to sleep in and go, oh, but we're great at this, we're mm. great at that, we can do this, we can do that. Mm. You want to resist that temptation, as David says, because actually it's it's quite confrontational. Yeah. It's very irritating to the person on the other end of the phone because they're very clear in their own mind that they're quite happy with what they've got. And maybe they absolutely are. So as Vicky says, you also have to be very respectful of that. But one way to give yourself the best opportunity to gradually get that prospect or person to maybe take a different point of view is to probe that objection. It's great to hear that you're happy with your current supplier and that sounds really interesting, the road you've gone down. Obviously, we'd be very keen to work with you at some point in the future when you do review just in terms of getting to understand you a bit more. Do you mind just explaining to me or clarifying a bit more about you know, how you came to that conclusion, what that service does for you at the moment and how that works. Yeah. Um, they will then open up, hopefully, and give you a little more information. If you can get that person engaged and talking and then probe that, oh, tell me more about how that works and what yeah. did that have when you did that? And, you know, out of that sometimes comes an opportunity because they will start to open up and share more information with you. Yeah. And as Vicky then says, it's really key to listen because somewhere in there may be some little clues as to how over time you may be able to meet that prospect's needs, deliver something worthwhile to them and give them reason to work with you in the future. <laughs> go with an example of one of the worst objections you can face from a prospect and that is when you are calling up to sell the product or service and the prospect immediately opens up and says i know exactly who you are i've used you in the past and you were awful 
what 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 could you do on the phone to overturn that to maybe a positive conversation i, I think first of all you you accept it you you acknowledge it and then you try and try your best to address it so you need to understand what's happened in that relationship what went wrong and what it would take to rebuild that relationship yeah um and, and understand how you could potentially uh influence them or change their mind um from their current mindset but really it's at that stage it's all about listening yeah um and, and trying to do your best to recover the situation and hopefully leave a good impression. Yeah. I think, again, as well, it's working closely with your client. Um, you shouldn't really be contacting somebody if you know that they've had a bad experience because you should be prepared for that already. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in the past, um, have worked for a company where they have had drastic change in the last 10 years, but I was contact- contacting people that we had worked for 15 years ago that hadn't had a great experience. And yeah. it's, again, about preparing. So every time I was contacting somebody that hadn't had a great experience, I'd understand from my client exactly the reason for that and explain um, the reason for my calling wasn't to sell that service. It was just to build a relationship. I understand in the past you may not have had a great experience, really keen to kind of start building relationships again and understand how we can start introducing our new service um, and you can go from there but it's never going to be an easy conversation to have but again it's just making sure you're completely prepared for it Um, and like again acknowledging I mean that that's almost on the verge of being like a complaint isn't it yes I think the the rules you know are the same as if you were dealing with a complaint which you know happens now and then to everybody in any business but you know I think it's almost therapeutic it's it's important that you listen as David says quite rightly and Vicky you listen you let someone get that off their chest you let them express that um, if they're very unhappy and certainly you know not not considering working with you again the best thing you can possibly do is just listen make sure they know that you're listening and taking on board what they have to say um, and then you know maybe very gently certainly addressing any point so again qualifying it and making sure you understand completely what what happened last time what went wrong in their opinion and what would help them put it right mm. and 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 just forget you know absolutely forget any idea about selling <laughs> You know, because at that point you switch into listening mode and you switch into, you know, being consultative, listening and allowing them to express their concerns until you isolate them and understand exactly what it is that, you know, you can do to help them in that circumstance. You you can't move on. So, you know, the, your most effective sales tool at that point is, is, is being... You know, um, understanding um, and um, consultative and listening. And then hopefully, if you can, you might be able to go away and, you know, come back with some solutions or at least feedback their concerns to the client who may or may not be aware of them. Mm. Um, You know, sometimes clients you know the best one in the world you're not aware are you when you've upset someone or done something wrong and unless they tell you so it's actually very useful if a prospect tells you over the phone that they're not happy because at least you know then and you can try and do something about it well thank you everyone for your time today i think we've covered some great stuff and uh, see you next time okay thanks Tom. well thanks for listening if you want to take a further look at how we tackle total sales then just head over to our website it's broadly-speaking.com we're also on twitter at broadly just search broadly speaking on facebook and linkedin to find us there as well our podcasts can be found on spotify itunes stitcher to be honest wherever you really get your podcasts and you can also download our podcasts early and listen to them offline just visit our website